0: Let's open our Bibles, please, to the book of Romans, the sixth chapter. We want to read verses three through eight. Romans chapter six, verses three through eight. We want to bring you a message on Bible baptism, since we're going to have baptismal service this morning, on Bible baptism. And Paul says in verse three, know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we believe, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him. There are so many things that uh, we need to speak about baptism, but I want to read one more passage of Scripture before we continue with our message, and that is in Matthew's Gospel, chapter three, and verse thirteen. It says, Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Suffer to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Again in Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, I want to read verses 1-11. through It says, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. By the way, this is quoted from Malachi chapter 3 and verse 1. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the, pass, uh, prepare ye the way of the Lord and make his path straight. And this is from Isaiah 40 and verse 3. John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And there went out unto him all the land of Judea and they of Jerusalem, and were all baptized of him in the river of Jordan, confessing their sins. And John was clothed with camel's hair, and with a girdle of skin about his loins. And he did eat locusts and wild honey, and preached, saying, There cometh one mightier than I after me, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost." And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee. Now notice the distance that Jesus traveled. From Nazareth of Galilee, and was baptized of John in Jordan. That was in Judea. And straightway coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens opened, and the Spirit like a dove descending upon him. And there came a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. First of all, considering these three passages of Scripture that I read, in uh, the book of Romans you find that we said that we're buried in the likeness of His uh, death, planted in the likeness of His death, and we're raised in the likeness of His resurrection. We see that baptism is symbolical. It's symbolical of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And here it's symbolical of our death and burial and resurrection with Christ. We know that it has to be sim- symbolical because in verse 3 it says, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ. Now the word baptized means to be immersed into. And you know that that could not literally be true. That we're not literally or actually immersed into Jesus Christ. But we are symbolically and it's with reference to Christ's death that we are baptized. It has this meaning. It has a likeness. In verse uh, 5, it says, For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death. So it is a picture. It shows us that we have been baptized like Christ was buried and raised up from the dead. So it's symbolical of his death, burial, and resurrection. And it's symbolical of something that's already taken place in our own lives that we are already saved when we're baptized. Buried in the likeness of His death and raised in the likeness of His resurrection. So it's a picture. A likeness is a picture. If I open my billfold and pull out a picture of my wife and children, I'll say, this is a likeness. This is a picture of them. It's not actually those people in person, but it's a picture or a likeness of them. And so, baptism is a likeness of Christ's death, and Christ's burial, and Christ's resurrection. In that scripture we read in Matthew's Gospel, we find that Jesus said it was uh, thus that they would fulfill all righteousness. And we find that Jesus came from Galilee and was baptized of John in Jordan, on down in Judea. And it's a distance of probably 60 to 70 miles that Jesus came to be baptized of John. Because John was the only man that God ever sent, the only individual man to baptize. God had prophesied that he would come and be the forerunner of Christ. Now, the church has the authority to baptize now. And individuals, like this morning, I'll perform the baptismal service or baptize those that have come to be baptized. And the Great Commission tells us that we're to go into all the world make disciples. And those disciples that are made through faith in Christ are to be baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then they're to be taught. So the church has a commission to carry out what was begun by John the Baptist and by what was continued by the early uh, church and the apostles. And so that is our business to do that. But Jesus came from Galilee down to Jordan. By the way, this is a picture of the Jordan River that uh, Amelia Anderson painted for us. She had been to the Holy Land and she had taken pictures, but this is supposed to be the same area where Jesus was baptized. We don't know that to be true, but it's what they traditionally say is the spot where Jesus was baptized. And that's an actual uh, painting of the Jordan. I remember when she painted that picture, she had me to get a piece of uh, masonite four feet by ten, which is extra length, you know, most of it is four by eight. And uh take it up to her house, and she said, I want to paint a, a picture for our baptistry. So uh, one day it was snowing, sprinkling snow, not real bad, but enough that it was out there. <laughs> And she called me and said, Brother Joyce, I have that painting uh, for the baptistry. So I thought, well, no better time. So I went up there, loaded on the pickup, and came down here. And she came with me, and and I installed it here above the the baptistry. And uh, anyway, we appreciate her doing that for us. But uh, the Jordan River, and that's where John was baptizing. And Jesus came. Some 70 60 to 70 miles distance to be baptized of John. He didn't go to the, the priests, he didn't go to the, the uh, religious leaders uh, uh, of his day, but he came to John because John was the one that was promised to come and be the forerunner of Christ, and because he was the one that was chosen by God to do the baptizing, and he came for a specific purpose. And he came to be baptized of John, and thus he puts his divine approval upon John's mission. He puts his divine approval upon John's ministry. And by the way, he puts his divine approval upon John's message of repentance and remission of sins through faith in Christ. And, and by the way, all of the ones that were baptized in the book of Acts and added to the New Testament church in Jerusalem accepted and endorsed the mission and the ministry and the message of those apostles. So when we preach, we ought to be able to preach the way of salvation so that men will be saved and understand that, and then they understand why they're being baptized is to identify themselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. There are so many things that we'd love to say about baptism, but we'll have to continue with our message Uh, Jesus also made and baptized more disciples than John. It says in John 4, verse 1 and 2. Now it says, though Jesus himself baptized not, but it was with the authority of his disciples that the baptizing took place. And so in the Gospel of John, you'll find that to be true. uh, That uh, he made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples. And we find that John was the one that was baptizing in Anon, near to Jordan, or near to Salem, I should say, because there was much water there, and they came and were baptized of John. Yet, in regard to baptism, there are many questions in people's minds. And I want to point out three things in our message this morning. By the way, what I've said so far is just introductions. So... You can just disregard that to just get you acquainted with what we're going to talk about. So, three things that we want to deal with about baptism. And that is, who is to be baptized? And second, how is he, he or she to be baptized? And then third, what does it mean? So, when we think of who is to be baptized, only those professing saving faith in Christ are to be baptized. They're the only proper candidate for baptism. That they've been born again. That they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. You don't just baptize people so they'll become a Christian. They already have become a new new person in Christ before they're baptized. They accept Christ. They believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then they follow the Lord in baptism. And there's no indication in the Bible that any person was ever baptized without faith. You say, well, they were immersed in the water, but it was not true scriptural baptism because faith comes before baptism. So, so to have scriptural baptism, you have to have a believer. You have to have someone that's already placed their faith in the Lord. That's why we don't uh, baptize infants. There's a lot of people that believe in infant baptism. I think I told you the story one time of Spurgeon. You know, there was a fellow that insisted on infant baptism. And Spurgeon was talking to him. And he says, you just give me one scripture, Spurgeon told the man, that tells us that we should baptize infants. And then he says, I'll give you one to reverse it. And so this man, he said, Well, Jesus said, Suffer little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Spurgeon says, There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And this man says, What does that have to do with baptism? Spurgeon said to him, What does yours have to do with baptism? Of influence. So, sometimes the Scripture we think means one thing, it doesn't mean that. Jesus meant little children could come to Him. They could be saved. Children can be saved when they come to the age of accountability. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, and He put His hands upon them and blessed them and took them in His arms. But there's a time when they have to believe on Christ individually and personally. And we'll talk about more about how they're to be baptized in just a little, little bit. But we want to see some things about baptism. If those people were immersed in water even during the days of the apostles and they didn't have faith, they were not scripturally baptized because faith comes before baptism. Salvation comes before baptism. The new birth comes before baptism. The Philippian jailer, when he was baptized, the first thing he did, he believed in God. If you remember... Paul and Silas said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And he believed in all of his house. And then, at that same hour of the night, Paul and Silas took him and baptized he and his family. And then they all had fellowship together. And the Ethiopian eunuch, after Philip had preached to him, you know, the eunuch was reading from the Scripture of Isaiah 53, and he said, He is led as a lamb to the slaughter, and the sheep before his shares is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. And he was reading that scripture. And the eunuch says, who does this man speak of? As Philip was riding along with him in the chariot. Of himself or of some other man. And Philip said, as he preached to him Jesus. And referred, the Bible says he preached unto him Jesus from that same scripture. That Christ was the lamb that was led to the slaughter. And then the eunuch said, well, here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? He says, if you believe with all thine heart, thou mayest. Then he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water. It says they went down both into the water. And then it says he baptized him. That means he immersed him in the water. And after he did that, what? They came up out of the water. That's the same thing that happened to Jesus, if you'll remember. Matthew 3, verse 16, Jesus, when He was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. So evidently He had been down in the water, right? To be baptized. So all this business of anything that people want to do with water, I don't think this cupful is enough, or put a rose in there and sprinkle someone with it, that's called baptism, is not really scriptural baptism. I just beg to say Because scriptural baptism is immersion in the water. And that's the way Jesus was baptized. He was immersed in the water. The word itself means immersion in the water. Baptism is commanded in the Great Commission. Jesus said, go and make disciples. And then he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in that commission, to teach them also, to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And, Lord, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. We find the examples of baptism in the New Testament churches. They baptize converts or believers. Peter said in Acts 2, verse 28, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Acts 2, verse 41, Then they that gladly received His Word were baptized. Acts 9, verse 20, Paul gets... Converted, and he was baptized, and it says, And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Who are we saying that should be baptized? Only those who have a personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and have been born again by trusting the Lord as their Savior. The Bible says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. When we come to the thought of how, we've talked about who, but how. How is he or she to be baptized? The mode of baptism. Is it sprinkling or pouring water on someone? Or is it immersion in the water? Now I realize that this is a very controversial subject for which Baptists throughout the centuries have bled and died. And we still believe what the uh, original Baptists believe. That it's immersion in the water. The very meaning of the word is to dip or to bathe or immerse. This is the primary meaning. It means like Jesus was baptized. He went down into the water and He came up out of the water. I mean, if John was going to baptize Him with a cup of water, I'm sure that they had little containers of some kind that they carried to drink. He didn't have to go down into the river Jordan. Why would He take these multitudes down into the river and baptize them? If it only took a handful or sprinkling a little bit of water on them. Because that was not the way to baptize. Baptize means to immerse. And so, if we want Bible baptism, we have to do it like the Bible teaches. And that is what? Immersion in the water. It's not sprinkling and it's not pouring. You know, in the, in the Scripture, you'll find that there are uh, words that mean all three. Sprinkle, pour, and baptize. The way of baptism, by the way, baptism is not a translated word, but it's a transliterated word. It's moved out of the original Greek into the English language. It's not one that they translated and said baptism means this or that or the other. They just moved it over out of the, the Greek into the English language. And so therefore, it's not a translated word. And every Greek lexicon that can be found, and I'll quote three of them, gives you this meaning. Little and Scott says baptizo, in the original, means to dip. Baxter says to bathe, immerse. Sapulo says to dip, to immerse. And there is no Greek lexicon that does not give the meaning to dip or to immerse as the primary meaning of baptize or baptizo, from which it was removed out of the Greek into the English language. And there's no Greek lexicon that that gives it a different meaning than these three words, to dip, to bathe, to immerse. That's what it means. Now, then you'd have a hard time dipping someone in this cup of water. You'd have a hard time immersing someone in a cup of water. But you can in a baptistry or in a river or in a lake or where there is enough water to put them in the water. So, uh, baptism requires... We're talking about what it, does it require. Let me give you some specifics of what baptism really requires. First of all, we know it requires the proper person. The candidate is the one that is uh, to believe on Christ as a Savior, and then they become, if they're born again, a child of God. They're a candidate for baptism. They should be baptized. And the administrator should be the local church. Has the power to administrate, administer baptism. It's under the authority of the local church by the command of Jesus. But here are some specific things about water that that is required. First, let me give you that baptism. Bible baptism requires water. I'm going to give you six, uh, five things. Five things that baptism requires. That's absolutely necessary. In Acts eight verse thirty six. It says, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? So we know that it requires water. Acts 10, verse 47, uh, Peter says, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized? He knew it took water to baptize He's not talking about how much, but he says it takes water. So we can put down that as a fact, that it takes water. We don't baptize in milk or oil or some other uh, liquid element. Baptize in what? Water. And then it takes much water. We gave you a little bit ago where uh, John was baptizing and they were all baptized of him in the river of Jordan. It's a river of water. And then we find that in John 3 verse 23 again that it takes much water. John also was baptizing in Anon near to Salem because, listen, there was much water there. Much water. So what does it take? It takes water. It takes much water. And the third thing, it takes going down into the water. In Acts chapter 8 and verse 38 says this, And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. They went down both into the water. And when they got into the water, what did he do? He baptized him. He immersed him. He put him under the water. Whether He put him straight down or backwards or forwards or whatever difference it makes, it doesn't say that. But since baptism is a picture of death, we usually lay them back. And they go that way. And since we'll be resurrected out of the grave someday at Christ's coming, you know, the Son of Righteousness shall appear with healing in His wings, and the dead in Christ shall rise, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in there, air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. We'll be resurrected. When people are buried, they're usually buried facing the, the east, at the sun. Because we know that someday the resurrection, and then they'll be raised up. We don't know how that's going to happen. We might just all shed all those caskets and the dirt and the clay and whatever, and go up to be with the Lord. But Jesus knows but we will be resurrected. So it takes going down into the water. And by the way, it takes burial in the water. In uh, Romans 6, verse 4, Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism in the death. Colossians chapter 2, verse 12 says, Buried with Him in baptism. So how are we buried? It takes burial in the water. So when you bury anything, you usually cover it completely. You know, if you have something that's dead... If you had a dead, dead animal of any kind, you don't go out there and lay it on the ground and take a little handful of dust and sprinkle on it and say it's buried, do you? When you bury a human being, you know how that takes place too. So, it's not just sprinkling a little dirt on top or sand or whatever. So it takes burial in the water. That means immersion in it. Buried with Him by baptism into death. And it takes coming up out of the water. In Acts 8, verse 39, it says, And when they were come up out of the water. When they were come up out of the water. What, what are the five requirements for Bible baptism? It takes water, number one. It takes much water, number two. It takes going down into the water, number three. It takes barrel in the water, number four. It takes coming up out of the water, five. If you say that's 100% Bible baptism... Give each one of them 20%. Water, much water, uh, barrel in the water, going down in the water, coming up out of the water. Give each one of them 20%. Now then, you evaluate what pouring is. How much percent of Bible baptism is. All you've got is water. You don't have any of the rest of it. Sprinkling, all you've got is water. So Bible baptism requires all of these things. And if we're going to baptize someone, that must be done in the way that the Lord uh, intended for it to be done. In fact, I have a little note, I believe it's somewhere in my Bible, concerning what Wesley, you know, Wesley the Methodist preacher says, the apostle alludes to the ancient manner of baptizing by immersion. The head of the Methodist Church and founder of the Methodist Church, John Wesley. His quotation is this The Apostle alludes, here he's talking about Romans chapter 6, where we just uh, read in our beginning text. The Apostle alludes to the ancient manner of baptizing by immersion. He admits that that was the way it was done at the beginning. Baptism is a picture of being identified with Christ and is a symbol of the spiritual union of Christ and the believer. When a person trusts Christ, he is united to Jesus Christ by faith, and it includes being united to his death. If you notice that verse, verse of Scripture, it says, Know ye not that so many of us that have been baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. That is, Jesus' death becomes our death. His death on the cross becomes our death for our salvation. And that's what we believe takes place, is that we're born into the family of God and kingdom of God, and thus we're, we follow Jesus in baptism. You are uh, doing what God wants you to do. The, the meaning of baptism. What does it mean? You're making a public declaration of what has already taken place in your life. You're already... Delivered from being dead in trespasses and sins, and being resurrected into a new life. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2. Now listen, this is concerning the past of believers. And you hath he quickened, who were dead, that's our condition by nature, in trespasses and sins. And it says, among whom we also uh, had our conversation in time past, walking according to the course of this world, the prince of the power of the air. And were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But now, he says, but now you're, you're made alive. You're quickened. So, it's a declaration of something that's already happened. You were dead in trespasses and sins. You're already spiritually renewed. And you're obeying Christ's command. As a true child of God, by faith in Him, Jesus commanded that those become His disciples were to be, were to be baptized. He said, make disciples... Well, you make a disciple by a person believing the gospel, receiving the gospel. The Bible says, In whom ye also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, you trusted after hearing the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, or upon believing, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Ephesians 1.13 And then verse 14 says, Which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of His glory. So Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 will show that we have to hear the gospel and believe the gospel. And then what? We're sealed with the Holy Spirit before baptism. Then you're to be baptized. And you're obeying Christ's command because He said to baptize those who believe. He commanded in the Great Commission. And baptism is openly claiming. What does it mean? It's openly claiming Christ as your Savior. You're branded as one of His own. You are putting on the uniform of a Christian. You're actually becoming known to be one of His. You know, even out in the world, they have some country and western songs that talks about a certain people or a certain one being baptized. I think there's one that if I can remember, I can't remember the song, but it's it's about being baptized. Well, even the people on the outside recognize that that person has has become a Christian. They know that that's a symbol of becoming a Christian. People that don't know any different, and they refer to so and so's baptism, and they think, well, that he became a Christian because he's putting on the uniform, and making himself known to be. That doesn't make him a Christian. As far as the inward part of it is concerned, because he has to be saved, doesn't he? But it does show on the outside that that's what he is. Just like when some of you and I know, like myself, when you join the arm of the branch of the service, you went into the navy or army or whatever. Well, you you were sworn in, and when you're sworn in, you're already in the service. You say, "Well, I haven't gone through the line yet to get my uniform." Well, that will come later. But you're already in there once you take that oath and vow. And then the first thing you know, they, well, shave all your hair off, usually. Which you don't like. None of us did, did we? And then the next thing you do, you'll go through, well, it may have come first or second, but I don't know which. You go through a line there and they have a counter there and they start laying you out some clothes that you hope fit. And they start throwing them on the counter, this is yours, this is yours, this is yours. And then you go out and you put that uniform on. And when you do, everyone knows that you're a sailor or a soldier or a marine or whatever, the Air Force. They say, there goes a the guy. He's in the Air Force. How do they recognize him? They recognize it because you put on the uniform. They recognize you as a Christian because you put on the uniform. In baptism openly and publicly declares that Christ is your Savior, that you put on the uniform. It says, for as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And then you're following, here's what it means, you're following Christ's example by being baptized like Jesus was. You know, Jesus did a lot of things that you and I cannot do. Jesus performed miracles, and uh, he did things that were in his power to do. As the Son of God. But He did this to fulfill all righteousness. He was baptized. And by the way, this is the only thing that He really did that we can actually completely do like He did. And that is to be baptized like Jesus was baptized. This is one thing, I should say, that we can do. And we can follow Jesus in baptism. We can be baptized just like He was baptized. Not by the same person. But we can be baptized in water. We can go down in the water. We can be immersed in the water. We can come up out of the water. We know that the Bible teaches that it's identifying yourself with Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. You're reckoned to be buried as a sinner, and because Christ died in your place, you were crucified with Him. And because He is alive now, you're alive with Him when you're baptized. And then we find one more thought I'll give you in closing. And that is that God makes baptism a joyful occasion. And that is found when uh, the eunuch was baptized. It says, He went on his way rejoicing. And it should be a joyful occasion for anyone to identify themselves with Christ in the waters of baptism and, and say to the world and to the public that now I'm a child of God, I'm a Christian, and I, want, I don't mind you knowing it. I want you to know it. And this is my de- declaration of my faith in Christ. We're going to ask that we have the song leader and pianist come. And we're just going to have everyone to stand for just a moment.